In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverant Family Conversation. And as always, it's uh, great to be with all of you in our Perseverance Family Conversation. And I'm your host, Father Ed Broom, OMB, Oblate of the Virgin Mary. And we love to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. And every time we pray that beautiful prayer, the Hail Holy Queen, we cry out to Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's turn to Mary and ask Mary to pray with us and to pray for us so that we would love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. What a grace and privilege it is to have as our spiritual director, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. He's also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of the soul. Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor and our consoler in the midst of the tribulations of life that are never lacking. Holy Spirit is also our sanctifier. He who makes us holy. The Holy Spirit is also our interior master. St. Paul says that we really don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. Abba means Daddy or Father. So let us ask the Holy Spirit to help us. To truly help us. To enlighten our minds 
and to set our hearts on fire with love of God, as we say. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didn't Instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. God, true, my friends, the family that prays together stays together, and a world at prayer is a world of peace. So after we've prayed together to the Trinity, praying to Mary, praying to the angels, praying to the saints, they also make up our perseverance family. I'd like to encourage you all in these words that I'll place all of you on the altar when I celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to place all of you on the altar, your consecration groups, your families, as well as your struggles. I'd like to place you all on the altar. So when I lift up the host and the chalice, I'm lifting you and your intentions up to God. I hope that that will give you a lot of consolation. And in the Mass, I'd like to offer these intentions. First is that all of us would be open to the workings of the Holy Spirit. That our sanctification depends in large part upon our being open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this can be our prayer today. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. My next intention, I'd like to pray for all of our families. All of our families. For the conversion of our families. For the sanctification of our families. As well as for the salvation of our families. And last but not least, I'd like to pray with you, placing these intentions on the altar. For the dying. This very day, there will be people that will be dying. Are they ready? Perhaps they're not ready. The most important moment in our life is the moment we die. That will determine for all eternity our destiny, our eternal destiny. So let's pray for the let's pray for the dying that they would turn and open up their hearts to God. So those are my intentions for today. The month of June is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. My brief catechesis today would be the following. If you do not have the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary enthroned in your homes, I would strongly recommend that all of you try to purchase a beautiful image of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus and to enthrone it in some prominent place. And next to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and thrown the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Last Friday we celebrated the most Sacred Heart of Jesus. And last Saturday we celebrated the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You cannot separate one from the other. Cannot separate one from the other. So that will be my brief catechesis to, to 
Enthrone the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And if it's already, spend some time in front of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary and talk to them. Have a colloquy, a loving conversation with the two hearts that love you most. May we all find our safe, our safe haven and refuge in the Sacred Heart of Jesus and in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen. All right, my friends. Today, it's somewhat a follow-up of what we had yesterday in our conversation. Yesterday in your conversation, I'd like to review it because it's so important. St. Paul said, Today is a day of salvation. And he says to basically be open to the grace of God. To be open to the grace of God. So now this reading is St. Paul says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, of the grace of God that has been given to the church of Macedonia. So I'd like to just review with you the topic of the grace of God and then there's a passage in the, in the gospel I'd like to comment upon today. And you're going to see, I believe, there's going to be a connection between the grace of God and the gospel today. We're reading through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount. We're still in chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's revisit the whole topic of grace. Grace is so very important. Grace can be defined as a participation, a participation in the divine life of God. And sanctifying grace, sanctifying grace is what, that which makes us pleasing to God. When the grace of God has come into our souls. An acronym for grace I learned from a Protestant minister which I think is very applicable to our own lives. G-R-A-C-E. That stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. That's right. God's riches at Christ's expense. So, when is it that we receive sanctifying grace? Sanctifying grace is a gift from God that comes into our souls 
in the very moment of our baptism. So not only does baptism wash away original sin, not only does baptism infuse within our souls the living presence of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but baptism penetrates, permeates, and imbues our soul with the grace of God. God's indwelling indwelling presence. Sanctifying grace is sometimes known as habitual grace. Going through the different dimensions of grace there are different facets or dimensions of grace that I'd like to go through with you. We start off with sanctifying grace. A participation of the divine of life, of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, living within our souls. And that sanctifying grace is that which makes us pleasing to God. Then there is what is called sacramental grace. There are the seven sacraments in the church. The sacraments of initiation, the sacraments of healing, and the sacraments of service. The sacraments of service. Each one of those grace sacraments confers grace, but a, a, a grace that differentiates one sacrament from the other. For example, for example the sacrament of confession the sacrament confession is one of the sacraments of healing. And what going to a doctor and getting medicine or a shot or an operation does to the body, so also does confession do to the soul. For that reason, Jesus is the divine physician. Jesus is the divine physician. He is the divine physician. He is the healer of body, mind, and soul. Now, if we move from confession to the Mass and Holy Eucharist, as a secondary effect, the Eucharist can heal us. However, the primary effect... The primary effect of of Mass and Holy Communion is that of nourishment. It's like if you haven't eaten for two or three days, you go to Denny's and you have a Grand Slam. You're going to be recovering your strength by having a 
pancakes and bacon and sausage and some syrup and butter on those pancakes. You're going to restore your physical health. So when we we nourish ourselves on the Eucharist, that gives us physical strength. Physical strength. If you like the example from the book of Kings, where Elijah eats the bread once and twice, and Elijah walks 40 days and 40 nights to the holy mountain. To the holy mountain. So that is called sacramental grace. Then yesterday we spent some some time on actual graces. An actual grace is a momentary impulse that God sends us. A momentary impulse that God sends us. To help us on our road to holiness. To help us on our sanctification. To help us to arrive at our our eternal destiny, which is heaven itself. Actual graces. I gave you about five examples yesterday. I can give you five different examples. Number one. The founder of Opus Dei, his name is St. Jose Maria Escobar Balaguer speaks about the universal call to holiness, which is a topic I'll be addressing a little bit later on. Related to the Gospel today. And he speaks about what is called the heroic moment. The heroic moment is when you hear your alarm, alarm clock. When you hear your alarm clock beckoning you to get out of bed and to to say your prayers and perhaps to make your holy hour. If you hit the snooze button, you are resisting grace. So your alarm clock is actually a manifestation of God's grace. If you get up right away, you make the sign of the cross, you consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary, then There is a victory. You have corresponded to grace at the beginning of the day. Many, many opportunities to correspond to God's grace, actual graces. Another one might be at the end of the day. At the end of the day, maybe it's about 9 o'clock and you're kind of tired and you pray to rosary in your car. And you ever thought, well, I'm not going to go to bed at least for another hour. I still have an hour. I, well, I'll pray another rosary. You've got the time. 
You could say yes or no. By saying yes, you're corresponding to grace. You pray the rosary, and many graces will come to you through the full of grace. Okay, another example. You're talking to someone, and this person is irritating you. And you're you you want to uh, you want to contradict and you want to uh, you want to rebuke this person, but you have the thought. No, you're giving in to your pride, and it's just gonna make sit- the situation worse. So you decide in that circumstance just to be quiet, to suffer in silence. You do. You conquer. That is also a manifestation of grace, to to be able to control our tongues. Often we open up our mouths and we blurt out things without really reflecting, and then we pay the consequences. St. James says that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. Thomas Aquinas says we've got two ears and one mouth so that we listen twice as much as we speak. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. We often say, listen, O Lord, for your servant is speaking. We turn it around. We turn it around. Another example of grace would be you're taking a walk and you hear the birds singing and the sun is shining in the fragrance of spring, the spring flowers inundate you and you just lift up your heart and you praise and thank God because of the beauty of nature that God has created. That's also actual grace. Being aware of God's presence, recognizing God's presence, and praising God for the beauty of his creation. Another manifestation of grace. My friends, we're talking about grace today, sanctifying grace, sacramental grace. Now we're talking about Actual graces. Now, let me mention we've all experienced this, and more than once. And more than once. Is that we're on the freeway, we're driving in our lane, we're driving according to the speed limit, and all of a sudden, we, this car speeds up and almost cuts us off. The natural reaction is to say some unkind word about that person. 
That's the natural reaction. But you receive an actual grace from God in which the Holy Spirit invites you, okay, that person cut me off, I'll pray a Hail Mary for that person so that he'll arrive safe and sound at his destiny and that one day he'll arrive safe and sound at his destiny, which is heaven. So I've given you I've given you examples of actual graces. And it could be something as simple as this. You're sitting down at the meal table and on the table are these wonderful chocolate chip cookies. You've eaten one, but you want to eat three. So you have the inspiration, well, you've eaten one chocolate chip cookie, and that's good. That's enough. So you hold back your gluttonous tendency. What is gluttony? It's a disordered desire to eat and drink. You hold back that gluttonous tendency, and you decide just to practice the virtue of temperance. Practice the virtue of temperance. So my friends, all of those are concrete manifestations of what is called actual graces and corresponding to them. Now of those five stories that I've told you, the five stories that I've told you, you could have said no to all of them or half of them. So what I'm saying is that with respect to actual graces, we can either say yes or no. We are free. And God will never, God will never violate our freedom. God will never violate our freedom. He respects our freedom. God will never violate our freedom. He always respects our freedom. Developing, developing the theme once again of grace where we hear in the first reading today Brothers and sisters of the grace of God that has been given to the church of Macedonia. So yesterday, the first reading, Paul talks about grace. Today, St. Paul speaks about the grace that arrived at Macedonia. And the people of Macedonia, they opened up their hearts to God's grace. In the midst of difficulties. Now let me talk about another type of grace related to actual graces. Before, my friends, before carrying out any good action, it's always preceded by grace. And if you're taking notes, you might even write this down. It's called prevenient grace. 
prevenient grace. Now, prevenient grace basically means this. Before forgiving that person on the freeway, before denying yourself that second cookie, before getting up on time upon hearing the alarm clock, before praying that extra rosary, before carrying out that good action, you had an actual grace which is also called prevenient grace. It's a grace that precedes the action. So prevenient grace is a grace that precedes, it comes before the action. What we're really saying is this, is the fact that we can do good, the fact that we can avoid evil, the fact that we can do good and we can avoid evil, is simply this, that we're corresponding we are corresponding to the grace of God. Okay, the, the next facet or dimension of grace is called efficacious, of, efficacious grace. Efficacious grace. The biblical passage that it comes to mind is when St. Paul was experiencing a temptation. He experienced this thorn in his flesh. And he's saying, Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. And he asked the Lord not once, but twice, but three times he asked to take it away. And God said, no. Because my grace is sufficient. My grace is made strong in weakness, Jesus says to St. Paul. So what this means, efficacious grace, is that God will always give us efficacious grace to carry out His will and to avoid sin. He will. God will give us efficacious grace to to his sin, to his will rather, and to avoid sin, whatever that might be. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Now, moving on. Let's flip the coin and talk about the reality that at times we do not we do not correspond to grace. Grace is efficacious, it is sufficient, it is powerful if we correspond to grace. 
But if we don't correspond to grace, then we will fail. I'll give you an example. Okay, Sunday, you know that you have to go to Mass. But you sleep in. You have a leisurely brunch with your family at a restaurant. You go out to the park. Then you go to the movies. The whole day in the back of your mind is you have to go to Mass. And the grace of God is knocking at the door of your heart the whole day. But you flaunt and frustrate that grace by saying no. You flaunt and you frustrate that grace by saying no. So that grace, that grace could have been sufficient in you if you simply said yes, but you rejected it. That leads us to the next topic, topic related to grace. It's called rejection of grace and the loss, the loss of the state of grace. Is it possible for us who once baptized being in the state of sanctifying grace? Is it possible for us to lose the state of grace? And the response is a resounding yes. Yes, we can. And I just gave you a very simple, clear example. We go to Mass on Sunday, there's no longer a pandemic. And if you live in a city, there's always, in the United States, there's always churches and masses in the, in the cities, even the towns. So you purposely, you purposely say no to that invitation. To go to Mass. So there you have what's called, called the loss. You have the loss of the state of grace. The loss of the state of grace. And that is by committing a mortal sin. So catechetically... Catechetically, whenever some individual commits a mortal sin that he, due to his own fault, has lost the, the state of sanctifying grace within his soul. There are three conditions. There are three conditions to commit a mortal sin. There are three conditions to commit a mortal sin. And that would be and that would be grave matter grave matter Full knowledge and full consent of the will. 
So we should pray in our lives. Pray in our lives, my friends, that we would not lose the state of sanctifying grace. We should do all we possibly can in our lives to preserve the state of grace in our souls. An analogy. Have you ever noticed these uh, areas where you have a, a gated fence? To be able to get in, you have to know the code. There's maybe barbed wire surrounding the gated area. There's maybe some pit bulls or German shepherds signs. Why is that done? That's done to prevent thieves thieves from coming in, ransacking, looting, stealing, breaking into your homes and stealing. You see how meticulous they are with the cameras, the electric fence, the gates, the double locks on the door, the the sharp barbed wire, the barking German shepherds, all, all so as to protect your home from being broken into and ransacked and stolen. So, shouldn't we do all we possibly can to protect to protect <laughs> protect our souls from losing the state of grace? I think it's a good analogy. Because on a human level, we do all we possibly can to prevent ourselves <laughs> prevent ourselves and our homes from being damaged. Or you might even think about a hypochondriac or someone that takes his medicine, all these different things to prevent him from getting sick, which is good. Going to the gym, eating properly, getting rest. <laughs> Excuse me. So on, on the human level, we do all, all we possibly can. Even more so should it be on the supernatural level. On the supernatural level. On the supernatural level. 
We're talking now, my friends, about the importance of grace. Seeing the grace of God as the pearl of infinite value. Now, building upon this topic, the gospel for today, Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. That's the gospel for today. I see this very much related to the the topic of grace. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Living in the state of grace, my friends, is is being led by the Spirit, and it is living. In holiness of life. But if it happens that we have the misfortune of falling and perhaps losing the state of grace, we should never give in to discouragement but rather the founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, that I belong to the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, we should do a nunc cepi. And by nunc cepi it means nunc cepi means this. Now I begin. How will we begin? How will we begin? By living out Luke chapter 15, which are, it's the lost and found chapter of the Bible, Luke chapter 15. And that is the lost coin and the found coin. The lost sheep and the sheep that is found. The lost son and the son that is found. For we, for we as Catholics, this nuncepi, this nuncepi is nothing more and nothing less than making a good sacramental confession nothing more and nothing less than making a good sacramental confession it's a new chapter experience so once we make a good sacramental confession we are restored to the state of grace now, of capital importance to us, just pay attention to what I'm going to say now because it's very important. If we commit a mortal sin, we should beg for the grace. We're talking about grace yesterday and today because the topic is so very important. 
we should beg for the grace we should beg for the grace to make a perfect act of contrition what does that mean to make a perfect act of contrition is we honestly, sincerely tell God we're sorry. And to make a perfect act of contrition, once again, it's a grace of God. We should beg for that grace. Perfect act of contrition is we tell God we're sorry not simply, not simply, because we could lose our soul. We could go to hell for all eternity. And that is a catechetical theological truth that we die in the state of mortal sin without repentance. We will lose our soul for all eternity. That is the stark reality that we have to recognize in our lives. Stark reality we have to recognize in our lives. The perfect act of contrition, my friends, is the following. Lord, I'm very sorry for having missed Mass on Sunday, whatever other mortal sin it might be. Because I don't want to lose you for all eternity, but especially because I I have forfeited my love for you. And right now, I want to love you. Lord, I want to love you with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't want to do anything once again to forfeit or jeopardize my great love for you. Once you have that actual grace in your mind of making a perfect act of contrition and your will corresponds to your mind in that, then you are restored to the state of grace. Even before you reach the confessional. So even before you reach the confessional. That's right. So it's very important we understand this whole concept of concept of of returning the state of grace. Very important. Then we have recourse to confession as soon as possible. So the gospel today, Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. That is, my friends, that is a command. 
And our holiness depends in large part upon our corresponding to the grace of God. So that our holiness depends in large part upon our corresponding corresponding to the grace of God. In St. Alfonso Liguori, who wrote The Glories of Mary, one of the greatest masterpieces on Mary ever written, St. Alfonso Liguori says that the grace of all graces The grace of all graces is to die in the state of grace. The grace of all graces. The grace of all graces is to die in the state of grace. The grace of all graces. The grace of all graces is to die in the state of grace. So Jesus says in the gospel today, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Let us turn now, my friends. Let us turn now, my friends, to... She who is known as the full of grace. That's Mary. Let's turn to Mary, the full of grace. And beg Mary to help us to keep growing. In the state of grace so that we would die in the state of grace and as a consequence we go to heaven to be with God for all eternity I'd like all of you to share this conversation with your friends share this conversation with your friends And I'd like to give you my blessing that all of us would live in grace, grow in grace, die in the state of grace, so as to be with God for all eternity. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless all of you and your children and your family. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.